Welcome to the Compass Church Podcast with Pastor Tim Jacobs, a ministry of Compass Church with your Arizona. Join us now as we look into God's Word to be challenged and changed. Yes, Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm Tim Jacobs, the lead pastor here at Compass Church, and I want to welcome you to our Christmas Eve services, and I'm so glad you're here, especially if you're new. Um, maybe you only come here like once a year. Um, and that's awesome. That's great. If you came here, you were dragged here by a friend, you were invited, or your relatives, part of the deal for coming into Arizona for Christmas was you have to go to the Compass Church Christmas Eve service, or you, you don't get to sleep in the spare bedroom or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, but it's so, I'm so glad you're here. We have been on a series here over this past month called Christmas at the Movies. We did it last year, so this is Christmas at the Movies Part 2, in honor of the French. And so we've been looking at different movies each week, different Christmas movies, and talking about them and getting different themes out of them. Um, we were going to do Die Hard, but there's dispute whether or not that's actually a Christmas movie or not. It's actually a big online contest going on right now, like is it actually a Christmas movie or not. But anyway, hopefully you'll get a chance to get a picture at, within the uh, backdrop that we have. It's kind of like our movie premiere style backdrop. So as you leave today, make sure you get someone to get a picture of you on your cell phone and you can post it or whatever. It's kind of a cool little family picture opportunity. And uh, as well as make sure you leave with a bag of popcorn, movie popcorn that we'll have for you because um, it's got a label of either one of the five movies that we've featured. And these labels aren't just the typical movie labels or movie posters. We've kind of redone them. So, for example, today our movie is It's a Wonderful Life. And this was the original movie poster, what it looks like, right here. And this is what we did with it for ours. Um, <laughs> every single one of those is, is our illustrious worship pastor, Gabe, who's standing right here. So the, the wonderful joys of Photoshop. So you can collect all five popcorn bags, if you like, along with the little bucket that goes with it, and you can remember us. How many of you got our Christmas card in the mail? Hopefully all of you guys, yeah, a lot of people got the Christmas card. So um, we just like to have a lot of fun with that. But our movie today is It's a Wonderful Life, and it's one of the most famous Christmas movies of all time. In fact, it was rated by the, some film institute of America, the number one most inspiring film of all time. And it stars Jimmy Stewart, the legendary Jimmy Stewart, who plays the character of George Bailey, who finds himself at the end of his rope. He's at a place in life where he's tried to do everything right. He's even given up his dreams of travel and adventure and getting out of the small town that he was raised in. And he's stayed there. He's raising a family. He's trying to run his late father's business. And through a series of unfortunate events, he ends up owing a debt that he cannot pay. And it's that in combination with the stresses of everything else in his life that leads George Bailey on a snowy night on Christmas Eve to go to a bridge where he's about ready to jump off and to end it all. And he would have succeeded were it not for the intervention of what is known as an angel second class whose name is Clarence. Clarence is trying to earn his wings. And in order to earn his wings as an angel so he can be an angel first class, he has to go do something noble. And so he's trying to rescue George Bailey. And George Bailey gets to the place in his life where he says, it would have been better had I not been born. And Clarence then proceeds to show him 
what life would have been like had he never been born. Now, we're going to show this clip in just a minute, but one of the reasons why this movie is so powerful is because it has a very simple message, this very simple message that I want you to hear this afternoon, and that is this. Your life matters. Your life matters. Check out this clip. Strange, isn't it? Each man's life touches so many other lives. When he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? I've heard of things like this. You've got me in some kind of a spell or something. Well, I'm going to get out of it. I'll get out of it. I know how, too. I... Now, the last man I talked to before all this stuff started happening to me was Martini. You know where he lives? Well, sure I know where he lives. He lives in Bailey Park. Are you sure this is Bailey Park? No, I'm not sure of anything anymore. All I know is this should be Bailey Park. But where are the houses? You we weren't here to build them. Your brother, Harry Bailey, broke through the ice and was drowned at the age of nine. That's a lie. Harry Bailey went to war. He got the Congressional Medal of Honor. He saved the lives of every man on that transport. Every man on that transport died. Harry wasn't there to save them because you weren't there to save Harry. You see, George, you really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it away? Clarence. Yes, George? Where's Mary? Oh, well, I, I, I can't... Uh... I don't know how you know these things, but tell me, where is she? I'm if not... you know where she is, tell me where my wife is. I'm not supposed to tell. Please, Clarence, tell me where she is. You're not going to like it, George. Where is she? She's an old maid. She never married. Where's Mary? Where is she? She's, Where is she? She's just about to close up the library. Oh, there must be some easier way for me to get my wings. One of the reasons that this movie resonates so powerfully with people is because all of us at some point have probably felt like George Bailey. We've gotten to the place in our lives where we said, Hey, is anything that, that I've ever done, does it really matter? Does it really make a difference? Has my existence on this planet really been important? If I was never here, would there have been any change at all in the world? One of the great joys that I have in my life right now is I have the opportunity to serve as a chaplain in the Air Force Reserves. And at my last drill that I was at, I was informed that we had a member on our base in our unit who had taken his own life. And so as a chaplain, what I have to do in those situations, oftentimes I'm asked to go and speak to their squadron, to the, to the, the folks that worked with this individual, and to talk to them about it. And so we, we go into this meeting, and, and the, the scariest part about the whole thing was that the squadron commander told me right before we went into the meeting, he said, you know, this was a young man, and we saw no warning signs. He was a good troop. He, he wasn't in any trouble. He was doing what he was supposed to be doing. He seemed like a happy person. And he took his own life. We don't understand why. We don't have a clue. And so 
I go in, and there's about 150 troops in, in, there's, in the squadron. And I go in, and I'm looking around at these faces, many of whom, most of whom, are not much older than my oldest son. And, you know, you think, what do you say to a, a bunch of men and women who've just lost one of their own in, in uniform? And all I could think of to say after kind of the initial, you know, hey, as, as we hear about this, everybody deals with this kind of, that kind of thing differently and, and that sort of thing, which is kind of like standard, what, what is easy to say. But the only thing I could think of to say as I looked at these young faces was this, please, please hear me. Your life matters. It matters to your family. It matters to your friends. It matters to your squadron. And it matters to God. And I don't care what kind of trouble you've gotten yourself into. I don't care what's happened in your life. Who dumped you? Who walked out on you? What you owe? What kind of missed opportunities that, that, you've, that you're looking back on life with regret? Your life is important. And you know, right before then, the commander had been talking about, because the base isn't too far from San Bernardino, and, and we had actually um, even one of the peop- uh, members in our, um, in our, on our base, his wife had been um, one of the ones that was injured in that attack. And uh, was, thankfully wasn't, wasn't killed, but was injured, was shot. But as everyone felt close to home to that, he was saying, you know, the, the fight isn't just downrange anymore. The fights come home to the shores. And so as I kind of piggybacked off that. I said, you know, the commander said that, that the, uh, the fight is no longer downrange. It's come to our shores. But you know where the fight also is? The fight's in here. Because you don't even have to be a Christian to believe us. I'm not suspecting that all of you are. As I'm speaking to them, I'm saying this. But I'm saying everybody can acknowledge the fact there's some kind of force that wants to work against us. In Christianity, we've identified that. In Scripture, it says the enemy has come to steal to kill and destroy, to ruin that which God has made to be beautiful and to live and to have um, wonder and awe at all that he has made and to receive his grace and his goodness. And, and, but yet there's an enemy that lurks within even us and works against us. But your life matters. You see, Christmas is not for those who have it all together. Christmas is not for those who are immune to the troubles of this life. It is not for those who have never felt that acute pain that comes with loss or failure or rejection. Christmas is for those who are at that ragged edge of desperation. And the main meaning, the main message of Christmas is God saying to you that your life matters. Let me drive that home a little bit deeper for you. Because in Luke chapter 2, this point of your life matters is unmistakable. When the message of the Christmas story is presented by angels to shepherds. Listen to what it says. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, just as we sang a few minutes ago, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now what is so significant about the passage that I just read to you is that the angels approached the shepherds. Shepherds are like the lowest, and that day they were the lowest class of human beings you could find on the planet. I was trying to think of a cultural equivalent uh, of that today, and all I could think of is, have you ever seen that Alaskan bush people show? Just watch that and then go down from there. And this is the kind of individual that the God of the universe chose to break the news to about the Son of God. What does that tell you about the mind of God? You see, if God wanted to to influence the world, he should have gone to the people who had means, who were respected, who had accomplishment, who had followers, who had great influence where they were. Why didn't God go to those people? Why did he choose to go to people whom nobody cared about? And the answer is simple, because he had one message for those shepherds tonight so that it would be written down, so that it would be one message for you. And that is, your life matters. It matters tremendously to God. It says, unto you a child is born. This is a gift given to you. And no matter what the world tells you about your status or your value, you are worth everything to me. Now, if you've been here for our Christmas Eve services in the past, you know that I've, I've said this probably before, but I, say almost, I want to say it every year because it bears repeating because it's so important. And we don't talk about it very much between Christmas, you know, Christmases throughout the year. And that is this. At Compass Church, we passionately and vehemently embrace the idea of the virgin birth. Meaning that Jesus Christ is unique in all of human history because he's the only one born without an earthly father, without the help of an earthly father. And it's funny because people will say, oh, you know, we're so sophisticated now. The virgin birth, that's just part of folklore. That's part of superstition. And we do not believe that at all. We believe it absolutely. It had to be that way. That Jesus Christ was born of the Virgin Mary. And so when the angel came and said, hey, by the way, Mary, you're pregnant. And she's like, no, I'm not. There's no possible way I could be pregnant. I'm a virgin. And and, and the angel says, you are pregnant because the Holy Spirit has come upon you, will overshadow you, and you are going to be with child, and you're going to call this baby Jesus. His name is going to be Emmanuel and God with us, all this kind of stuff. And she's blown away by it. Now, why is it so important that that G, that Mary be a virgin and that, that uh, the, the baby is conceived with the help of the Holy Spirit? The answer is very simple. Because you and I, there is no possible way that from our race, that from our DNA, the human race, the DNA, the structure of, of, of who we are as people, there's no way in the world we could have ever have created a Savior on our own. God had to intervene on our behalf. We were like George Bailey, right on the edge of the bridge, ready to go off, and God intervened. God rescued us at just the right time, as the Bible says. In the fullness of time, as the Bible says, we were rescued by God because God loves us and cares about us. Now, if that had never happened, you would always have a God who was distant. But because he, he became one of us, you now have in, the, in God, in Jesus, 
you have someone, you have God who is permanently joined with humanity. That should blow you away when you think about that, that God will forever be one of us in the person of Jesus. And that which he is, he will not abandon. He will not forsake. And why? Because your life matters. You know, we are a tolerant people as Americans. We have, um, even though we have a lot of tension right now going on in our world, in our society with, with immigration and with racism and, and classism and all this kind of isms you want us to say. We, we still are a very tolerant people and we have a lot of different religions that, who, that are practiced here and we celebrate the freedom that each individual has to practice their religion. But one of the byproducts of that is we've, we've, we've carried that to a place where we've said, well, we just think all religions are basically the same. And I'm here to tell you that, the, that you have to understand the massive uniqueness of Christianity is the fact that there is no other belief system in the world where God reaches down to humanity, where God touches and reaches out to the soul of even the lowest person, the most immoral person, the one who least deserves it. That's the one God gets excited about. There's no other belief system that comes close to that. Every other philosophy always says in human wisdom that you've got to work, that you've got to claw, that you've got to climb your way up to the holiness of God. And if you're lucky, maybe you'll get there. Christianity is 180 degrees from that, exactly the opposite. It is the love of a caring and gracious God to say your life matters. Hey, 15-year-old girl who just got dumped by her boyfriend, your life matters matters. 75-year-old man who just got diagnosed with a terminal disease, your life matters. To the young mother who is exhausted with this, this young child and all the changes that have gone on and wondering where her life went and, and trying to manage all of that stuff and feeling exhausted all the time, your life matters. To the 45-year-old man who's trying to, to provide for his family and, and achieve something in, in, with his life career-wise and balancing all this stuff and feel, wondering, how am I going to get out of the debt that I'm in and all this? Your life matters. It's important to God, and he does not ever want to let you go. And so, in this next scene, George realizes that he was wrong to ever wish that the world had come about without him. And he gets to the place in his life where he's begging God that things would be the way that they were. And so he, he kind of cries out to the angel a few times, and then he cries out to God at the end. And he realizes that God has heard his prayer, and he responds with joy. Check it out. Please, please, I want to live again. 
I want to live again. I want to live again. Please, God, let me live again. Hey, George! George! You all right? Hey, what's the matter? Now, get out of here, Bert, or I'll hit you again. Get out of here. What the Sam Hill are you yelling for, George? You... George. Bert, do you know me? Know you? <laughs> you kidding? I've been looking all over town trying to find you. I saw your car piled into that tree down there, and I thought maybe you... Hey, your mouth's bleeding. Are you sure you're all right? What you... <laughs> My mouth's bleeding, Bert! My mouth's bleeding! Zuzu's pedals. Zuzu. There they are! Bert! What do you know about that? Merry Christmas! Well, Merry Christmas. Merry! Merry! Yay! Yay! Hello, Bedford Falls! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! For you. <laughs> I love how he says, Merry Christmas to the buildings. That's just funny to me. He's like yelling at the buildings. It's awesome. Um, God, I want to live again. I want to live again. Perhaps the most important part of that film is at the very end when the debt that he has, he has to pay, he can't pay himself and the whole community comes out and, and pays it for him and they kind of raise it, throwing cash on the table and and they're able to raise the money to be able to pay his debt. And that's probably the most important part of the movie because right there, the message is that you and I have a debt that we can't pay. It's got to be paid by somewhere else. If you could pay your own debt, there'd be no reason to thank God for anything because you're like, God, look at me, I'm good enough. But all of us have to get to the place, and if you're feeling like, God, there's no way God would ever, you know, there's no way I can live down the things that I've done, you're in the right spot. You're in a good spot. You're exactly where God wants you to be. Because God didn't just send Jesus to, to, so we would be connected with God, but that ultimately he would pay the price for our sin, and that's a beautiful thing. So when you have a debt, you realize I can't pay that debt, but God can, God wants to, and he absolutely did on the cross. And so I want to challenge you to think of that. And by the way, I want to challenge you to think of a, of a better story. You don't have to believe in the Christmas story. You can be dragged here by your family and sit back and with your arms crossed and go, yeah, whatever, Jesus and the Virgin Mary and blah, blah, blah. And this whole story of, you, you can sit back and you can be the cynic, that's fine, so you're, so you're right. But I challenge you to come up with a better story. A better story that has more grace, that has more love, that has more forgiveness, that doesn't leave you jaded and angry and bitter, that doesn't leave you mean-spirited, that doesn't leave you empty, that doesn't leave you um, without experiencing the love of God. Maybe there's a few of you today who are at the place in your life where you need to hear the message your life matters. Because just because it's Christmas, everyone's supposed to be happy doesn't mean we are. And so I want to challenge you with that thought. Your life matters. Would you bow your heads with me?
just for a moment here today, just so you can be alone, you know, you, no one's looking around. If you're here today and you're saying, you know what, I'm ready to receive God's gift of grace. I'm at the place where I'm lost. Life has hit me hard. I've been trying to keep it together. Just tell God right now, just say, God, if I'm honest, I know I can't, I can't pay this debt. I need you. I believe it's true that you came down, that you became one of us to reach out to me. I believe I have a debt that I can't pay. And so I'm crying out to you, just like George on that bridge, asking you to let me live again and find my life in you. And so this Christmas, I received the best gift I could ever receive, the gift of your grace. And God, I pray for those who would pray that prayer today, that they would understand that all you, you don't want our good deeds. We, we, nothing we can do can impress you. You want a heart that believes in you, that believes that you're real, that believes that you came down and visited us and expressed yourself to the most lowly of people to tell them your life matters. Thank you for what you're doing in the lives of people, and especially those in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. Why not ask God to change your life so you can go and change your world for Him? To find out more about our church online, go to www.compasschurch.info and we'll see you next time.